Hey, and welcome to episode 51, I think. Yes, 51, 52. Oops, I lost count. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Motorific Podcast. This is Joanne Dawn, and I am here with my co-host, Christy Farrell. And today we're going to cover just a couple things. We're going to talk about this AMA article that we mentioned last week. We forgot to talk about it this week. And then Chrissy's going to finally get tell us all about this trip she has planned. And then we're going to talk a little bit about a garage party that somebody attended. And, uh, I don't know, maybe just some general ideas on on what OEMs can do to suck in more women riders and that sort of thing. So, if you are a AMA member, then you receive a copy of the AMA magazine. And the September issue of the AMA magazine was basically, a co the cover article was really what I was interested in. And it was um, interviews with about four different, I think four different writers, uh, two men, two women. And the kind of the gist of the article was, you know, uh, the stereotypical motorcyclist is pretty much what you see in movies or on television. But the reality is that's really only, I mean, I think that's not the majority of us. I'd say that's like 40% or maybe that's only half of us. Um, the rest of us are different than that, than what you expect. Lawyers, doctors, teachers, mechanics, uh, you know, engineers, computer nerds. Actually, a lot of motorcyclists I'd say are computer nerds. Um, you know, just kind of counteracting the stereotypes. So they did an interview with these various folks from, uh, it looks like all over. There's a woman from San Jose. There's somebody from Oklahoma. San Diego. San Diego, Connecticut. So there's a variety of people. Um, Baltimore. Baltimore. So a nice, nice variety uh, of backgrounds. I mean, not the most diverse article, but it still gives you a nice idea of, you know, the different faces of motorcycling, aside from what you, what I, I think from the only type of motorcyclist we see in television or in mass media. I think my favorite person that they interview on here has a PhD and she's the assistant vice provost of the University of Maryland. Oh, nice. And she's our age and has been riding for um, 30 years. Nice. Yeah. Educated. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. I, and I would say even the, you know, even the people that you see that match up to the stereotype in movies, you know, the kind of the biker look, the chaps, the leather, most everybody, I think, I, I would say that fits that quote stereotype, they're just average people too, you know, they're bankers and, um, you know, normal average people. They're not gang members or you know what I mean? They're just regular people happen yeah. to wear leather sometimes. So it's nice yeah, to pretty see. Pretty much the, the only person on here that has leathers that's riding a, um, a cruiser bike is, uh, let's see. Distribution center manager on a Kawasaki or no, he has a Honda shadow. Shadow. Yeah, he's got the leather chaps going on, mm. but uh, pretty much everyone else is uh, climb and first gear and uh, Garen. So, 
a nice, well-rounded mix. Yeah, it's nice to see mix. Um, I scanned in a copy of the article. I don't know if it's okay for me to upload that. I don't know if that's hmm. okay or not, but chances are, you know, somebody who's an AMA member might be able to find it on their website. They might, I don't know if they make that available to non-members, but the magazine's usually filled with, you know, different interviews with, you know, like sometimes it'll be the founder of, um, you know, Arlenness and just a variety of stories about people writing and whatnot. And this is, I think, like one of the first covers where like, oh, I want to read that, you know, or actually spoke to me to where I was interested in this particular article. And that's what And I also, if cool. you're wondering what we're talking about, you should also note that, uh, AMA puts out two different kinds. If you're that is, if you're a member and you're staring blankly at some cover that doesn't match up, AMA puts out two different hmm. magazines: one for Dirt and one for for Street. Oh. So if you're subscribed to Dirt, you might not get this particular one because this, I think, hmm. is the Street version. But um, you know, AMA uh, the month after posts the full magazine on the uh, the internet. So I don't suspect there might be harm in uploading the pdf okay so i'll go ahead and do that and then link to it from our uh, show notes and then of course the other article of interest in ama which was last month but i'm really slow to catch up on my news is that uh six states will make uh safety riding safety courses mandatory for new riders seeking their motorcycle credential and those six states are connecticut Florida, Maine, Rhode Island, Texas, and Oregon. And believe it or not, California is not on there. Um, you are not required to take some sort of training before you get your license in the state of California. It's just that it's the easiest to take that MSF course. Remember, and kind of under 21, you have to. 21. The six states are actually all ages. And then, of course, as Joanne noted, you're not required over 21, but under 21 you are. Yes. Yeah, it's like even to get your permit, you have to take the class first. They won't even, cool. I think they won't even let you get the permit either, if I remember correctly. Um, I don't know what Pennsylvania is. Apparently, Missouri does not like people telling them what to do because they've tried to do mandatory training three times in Missouri and they've <laughs> failed every time. But apparently other states and riders associations within the state, for example, the state of Oregon, rallied behind that. I'm someone who doesn't mind the helmet law, so I'm probably the worst person to ask about this. Because, of course, I'm going to say, yeah, training totally helped me. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, some of those uh, some of those states may not really uh, warm up to the idea to make anything mandatory in order to get your license. So here, the only restriction is on age 18. If you're under 18 in Pennsylvania, you must have your motorcycle permit for six months and have 65 hours of supervised riding. And as of 2012, if you are under 18, you must take and complete the motorcycle safety class before you can get your license. That's good. Young kids, that makes sense to have teenagers, to require teenagers to get training. They have no experience driving a car. So I think that's that's pretty cool. But yeah, sadly, people don't want to be told what to do. Good for you, Connecticut and oh, Texas. Wow, the fine print. Oh. I did not notice this. Okay. So that was just an article. And then below it is the AMA's opinion on it, which 
does not surprise me, considering that the AMA is, after all, a lobbying organization. Mm -hmm. And they are not behind the helmet law because the majority of their constituents, if you will, are not behind the helmet law. Mm. So the AMA stance is that despite the value of a properly structured rider education program, the AMA opposes legislation that would make such training mandatory for adults. The AMA does a lot of good work that uh, we don't always necessarily see in their magazines or on the forefront. So I kind of pick and choose my battles. For me, it's an elected decision. And of course, it was a great decision as far as, you know, I'm concerned, just mm. as a first step. And of course, advanced training beyond day one of getting your license. Always, uh, always a good thing to... Emergency maneuvers. Those are the ones. Those are always important to renew every few years. Yeah. Emergencies. So, that's a little news from the AMA. And uh, I want to hear all about this trip somebody has planned to an unknown place on this nah, planet. We'll cover Harley first. Come on. That's so boring. Harley. No, oh, it's not, yeah. No, Make them listen to the exciting. whole episode before we get to the end. <laughs> Good call. All right. So what did we do? Uh, what did you do with Harley? So Harley has a couple of events. The first one I couldn't make, which was kind of like an open house event. But the second one was really one that I really, you know, aspired to, to go to just purely for interest sake. And that is the Ladies Garage Night. So Ladies Garage Night is for any female, and at least they advertise to females, any female interested in learning about writing. And you maybe rode on the back or you've never ridden before, don't know anyone that rides. And it's a free event that's at your local dealership. The majority of big dealerships would probably have them and you just sign up at a at a dealership to receive their updates and posts and schedules on things and then so this came to me through that marketing email from the local dealership so i show up and there are actually quite a few guys there and i'm thinking okay uh this is interesting so either guys are coming to these ladies garage nights to meet women or they're coming to support their wives which i think the latter was a little more um what the story was basically this dealership in glendale is huge very like modern nice layout and the initial presentation was by the owner of the dealership's daughter who works in the business and she's maybe mid-40s hmm. so she talked about what got her into riding and how she just loves to ride and you know, key in point, it's a woman giving this speech, right? So then she invites the president of the local Harley-Davidson club up. Hey, if you buy a motorcycle here, you can join this club instantly. And you can either go riding or you could be more active in the club and take part. After that little intro, and then they talked a little bit about the love ride. They went through stations. So they have you segregated into groups, uh, small groups. So you can pop by one station and kind of learn about different aspects of motorcycling and the bikes mm -hmm. and the first station that i went to is the one that you see at ims where it, it's the kind of rack where the rear tire can spin and you're not sure. actually going it's stationary anywhere. yeah mm -hmm. so they call that the rev station and basically women are able to sit on this bike start the bike feel yourself kind of go through gears and and kind of feel the Feel the vibrations of the motorcycle beneath you. Mm -hmm. Next, they went through gear. So they talked about all the gear that they had available. My eyes might have rolled back into my head during that whole presentation. Just because polyester. <laughs> I think they had said Harley has proven this gear to protect you for four seconds in a slide. Mm. 
That's good. Hey, it's better than wearing nothing. Sure, sure. Four seconds, though. I don't know. That's equivalent to, like, riding jeans. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Or, like, basically your your inexpensive textile mesh. That's kind of, yeah, yeah, the standard. They didn't didn't have any high-tech fabric. Yeah. They did have some Kevlar jeans that were reinforced in more places than I usually see for men. But apart from that, uh, leather mostly would have been something that I would have elected to add. Um, and then the accessory station. So this is a setup where they have a bike is basically mounted permanently so that it's upright and you don't need to put it off its side stand or anything like that. And it's kind of like a, the concept of a Mr. Potato Head. They mm-hmm. can take off the seat and go through all the different seats and how it changes height and feeling and posture. They can take off really quickly the bars, so you can go through, like, ape hangers and short bars and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And they also have these flat panels that they slide underneath your feet in the event that between the seat and the bars that you're still not able to fully flat foot. And Mm. so those those kind of risers will mimic changes in suspension. Mm. And so I just thought it was... You know, between that and then they do, like, a model history and kind of a brief talk of everything just brilliant like it's a giant sales pitch it, sneaky. it is it's very sneaky but it's but it's so not obvious right it's so you know covert in their in their method and it's really great to sit back and be able to watch these women and they're all very cool women different walks of life completely mm-hmm. um from young all the way to old and professional and but it's really interesting to be able to sit back and 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 watch how people react to certain things mm-hmm. and oh, yeah, well, you know, I want to get this shirt today and I'll get a hat and, you know, it's just from start to finish. This is the lifestyle. These are the cool people you can hang out with. You yep. instantly get friends. These are all the different ways you can accessorize. Mm-hmm. Um, you can experience all this stuff right now. And then they went into their writer training, which they say is, like, the best writer training in the country. And I think maybe... I mean, I don't honestly, I don't know if that's a little bit of an embellishment, but they do offer in their writer training class, however expensive that may be, I did not find out, um, extra hours. So it's like a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, as opposed to a Saturday and Sunday that Motorcycle Safety Foundation does. So I think they give you a little more ride time, which, you know, maybe can never hurt. some of the MSF classes I know in PA2, they do, they stretch theirs out over three days. Oh, yeah. When I did it, it was over three days, but it was classroom first for five hours and then five hours to, you know, each day of riding. But there are extra, um, there are extra curricula, curriculum that is surround that is focused on extra riding, um, remedial training, like one-on-one training, like Sue and Jin work in New York and their school offers an additional, um, it's like a pre msf class class that's like a one-on-one thing and you get like 10 hours of i don't know what but there are extra add-on options but each school is selective about what they want to do some classes will do it some some schools won't it just depends but um i don't know that theirs is the best i'm sure they i I know they offer the remedial which is good but of course, um, everyone that advertises something is going to say, we're the best. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, at least they you know, do it sure they... on their bikes, which yeah, helps. Yeah, and they do it on the 500. Uh, 
the street, the 500 street, which they had one. But in before the that, they were doing it on the Buell, on the Buell blast. But yeah, so just looking back on it, it's just kind of an interesting thing to sit back and see how very well developed the mm -hmm. program is in terms of already making you jazzed once you get in. You've got like a very nice dip into what the bike feels like yeah. and going through the shifting no, and it's the clutch. so smart. I don't gear yeah i mean customization like you're leaving in your head with a model already yep. in your mind well, and think... the only thing that i disagreed with that that they were talking about is how they were pushing the larger the larger engine bikes oh, why that was really the oh, okay this is a really obvious sales pitch to me but everything else was just so well done that i was really impressed what was so, their argument gotta... for going to a larger displacement um, you're going to get bored with this small bike so fast God. that you're going to have to sell it and go through all that hassle, blah, blah, blah. I hate that. So that was pretty much the, the bulk of the argument. Oh, it's my least favorite it argument. It was kind of funny, though, that, that almost every single person, and I don't have a problem with this. I mean, I know lots of people who work for manufacturers who own other bikes, but it's just funny to listen to these guys talk about oh yeah well i've got like you know this honda and this at home and this and this and this and i'm just like oh i would think that maybe during this you would only try to brainwash people into like harley but yeah. nonetheless big thumbs up for that i mean you know all of my observations aside it's just kind of cool as far as getting women involved to yeah. demystify the yep. whole idea yep. of motorcycling yep no and, it's very well done and i yeah. wish i wish uh, other brands would follow suit and care enough to try and make an effort in that regard. But I don't know. One thing that I notice is that Harley offers a lot of parts and accessories. And I don't know that OEM, like Honda, Kawasaki, Suzuki, they don't offer a, like that vast volume of customization. You no, can get a pipe. Take care of it. Right. You can get a Suzuki Yushimura pipe, but there's not like a whole menu of different foot pegs. And here's a whole menu. I mean, through their aftermarket partners at a dealer, sure. But the dealers have to take charge in that regard. And that's where, um, because I don't know if it's just dealers are disjointed or I don't know what, or they just don't care. But um, there's just something wrong with how they approach selling to women. I think they just still have no idea what they're doing and have their heads in the sand about it all and they're just like well we don't know what to do so we'll just not we'll ignore it i don't, I don't know but yeah i mean to to sit on a stock bike and and be in some sort of i mean i have long arms and long legs so really i think the only negative about that is that i might feel cramped on some bikes mm -hmm. in which case there might be a way to improve it by yep. you know moving foot pegs around but i think if you come into a situation where you're you know a little shorter than what the average rider is having all of that stuff like ready to go in the dealership to show you you know this bmw or this honda might not feel good to you right now but let me show you what it yeah. could feel like yep adjusting wise and yep. you will probably like someone will have a sale right there not probably. only that but all the aftermarket parts it's not and it doesn't take that much effort but again it's the dealers have no. to be invested in that interest and i've met so few dealers that actually care about that or have people there that would even initiate that and i feel like a woman has to initiate that kind of interest or education for it to really matter because they don't have you know, and from what I see, dealers are understaffed and overworked, and they don't have just extra people that, you know, can jump in and, 
and spend time to organize something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I feel like dealers are, they're already making their people do three or four different jobs. And the last thing someone wants to do is put together a ladies night. And if there's no ladies working there, there's really no incentive. Like why would a parts guy want to put that together or a sales guy? Um, especially if the sales guys are clueless about talking to women writers or or finding women writers in their community. And I find that to be a huge handicap with a lot of dealers. It's, it's yeah. a bummer. These guys have it down to a science and, yep. I, and I'm not yep. going to lie when I sat on this bike and they swapped out the different handlebars, mm -hmm. granted the seat, like, because, you know, I, I just have bench seats pretty much on all of my bikes mm -hmm. thus far with exception <laughs> of that old, older Kawasaki that I was on. So I'm not really aware at how different seats change your posture mm -hmm. oh yeah so they had me on two different harley seats where there's like a backrest on one and then maybe the angle was different or mm -hmm. maybe the rear end came up and it like totally changes the way you sit on a bike and oh, then yeah. on top of that you would never guess but and they're not really big ape hangers but it was like a 12 inch so mm -hmm. from like stem to top mm -hmm. and those actually felt really comfortable never would have guessed that never never would have gravitated towards that and really the only way to find out whether or not that's something you're interested ape, in ape hangers, currently yeah oh, probably because you're you, long-armed i i would right? never have gravitated towards that and the scenarios where you go to get aftermarket parts you're pretty much just ordering it sight unseen yeah. off the internet very true so I think sure. having all that stuff right there accessible in the dealership is just brilliant. So whether, you know, if you're if you're a dealership listening of the five people that listen, right. um, if maybe you're a ten. dealership listening, you should definitely consider, you know, maybe trying to sort out some like demo aftermarket parts. And if you've got a bike sitting around that could use a new life as, as something reinvented, maybe it's a totaled bike. Try to do something like that. Try yeah, to think about smart. how you can how you can utilize something to improve your aftermarket part sales, or maybe it's, you know, OEM parts. Or selling a bike to... that just needs a minor modification for it to work for somebody, I guess. Yeah. Um, or even on your most popular model. I mean, if you've yeah, got some smart. amazing sellers that you think appeal to new <sighs> riders, yep. definitely. I have an idea. I think we should, maybe you and I should start a Google Hangout with, uh, I don't know, maybe like a general, I don't know, maybe some general topics like getting into dual sport riding or getting into traveling or, um, you know, altering your motorcycle. I don't know, some of these general things that, you know, this garage party might cover, but certainly we can't go to dealerships and meet a bunch of people, but something we could do on the interwebs, at least discuss. Might be something sure, you'd can... have to walk me through that whole Google Hangout thing. Oh, I mean, that's this is easy. a mystery to me. Yeah, that's easy. That's the easy part. <laughs> the hard part is getting people to to join us. So, uh, hey, if you're listening and you think that would be fun to have a, dis a series of seminars or, you know, I guess Google Hangouts where we get online and talk about different topics or delve into specific things, maybe, I don't know. Uh, please let us know. We that might be something I'll have to brainstorm on, but I think that would be really fun because I do miss, I do miss talking to customers about those things. I do now. I mean, whenever customers ask me general questions about riding, I certainly love chatting with them, but I do miss that aspect of dealership work. 
um, especially bikes, that sort of thing. But that just kind of popped into my head. Either way, good job, Harley. I know they've been doing that for a while, and it seems like it's been really successful for them. Um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I'd say the hardest part of that whole experience was to pretend I didn't ride. <laughs> oh, really? Is that what you did? I'm like, I'm the worst. Oh. I'm the worst liar and the worst actor. Oh, well, why do you have to pretend like you don't ride? I mean, you could just yes, pretend like... Yes, I didn't like... want to come in there from the, oh, I know what I'm doing, you know, I'm just oh, here well. snooping your program. Well. So I just, you know, batted the eyes bashful, thinking about it. <laughs> I, I, do you see that picture I posted of me riding Rania's bike? I rode her Dynaglide. Oh yeah, I think Dino I think I just, Wide Glide. Did I, were you actually riding one, or were yes. you just sitting on it? I rode it for like a mile, okay. <laughs> maybe a maybe a mile and a half. How just was that? The name. It was the most uncomfortable motorcycle I've ever ridden in my life. <laughs> it's got ape hangers. They're low. They're not crazy high, mm -hmm. but the seat is scooped out too much, to where it sinks your back low and your mm -hmm. knees high, which is the most unergonomic riding position ever yeah right because ergonomically the most comfortable ride is your knees right below you not at your hip level but just a, a few degrees below your hip comfortably and your butt shouldn't be lower than your knees they should be a little higher but the seat is scooped out so it pushes you back into the seat like wow. you're on a couch and then your arms your elbows are like above your shoulders, which is terrible. It's like the worst riding posture I have ever experienced on a bike and my legs are short. So I had to sit on the tank pretty much to shift. Shut up. Yes, I had to scoot all the way forward just so I could get my feet under the shifter. And then when I first left the parking lot, I didn't realize where the foot pegs were. So I'm looking down going, where the hell are these foot pegs? And they're very forward. So just the worst riding posture for me and if you're a very small person riding something i don't know how you do it riding a big cruiser like that because you're i don't know how you can reach things um that's why i love sport bikes because everything's right there and i don't have to bring my legs and hands forward but for me it was just the most awful riding posture I could never ride more than two minutes like that. It just, it would what kill I my back. What would give to see the side view picture of you, like, oh, you know, and up on the tank, trying to get your to feet on To top that off, because the bike has a stock exhaust system, this is something I learned in the hard, world of Harley, if you have a stock system it has a, which has a slip-on, right by your knee is the pipe, and it is a thousand degrees. Mm -hmm. It is so hot. And I'm surprised I didn't burn myself. It was really hot. Maybe that's why I kept my knees out. But it's terrible. It's right there and it's burning you. Yeah. I don't know how you ride in shorts on a Welcome bike like that. The, yeah, I don't know either. So, Welcome to the wonderful world of cruisers because the right? uh, the Indian chieftain had the same setup where my thighs were on fire. But yeah. then again, when I rode the Ducati too, mm -hmm. um, at least two of the Ducati, two of the three Ducatis I've ever ridden had either really hot, like the engine, I think it was more of the engine, uh, heat off the engine yep. was coming out. Not so my exhaust. thighs were literally on fire. And I'm thinking, yep. how, how you can ride a Ducati and have textile instead of leather? I don't know. Because yeah. I was literally like, every time I stopped at a stoplight, I was like opening my legs. I'm sure <laughs> people are buying engine covers. I don't know. But apparently if yeah. you replace the entire exhaust system on a stock Harley, then... You don't have that problem 
Got it. But if they're just, yeah. I'm like, oh my god, your my, my, this motorcycle is trying to kill me. Um, <laughs> it was just the worst experience I've ever had on a bike. And, But, you know, personally speaking, I will never, ever enjoy a bike where my feet are in, fr in front of me, period. And I don't care how exciting your Harley is or your cruiser. It will just never work for me personally because ergonomically, I can't do it. I just, I can't. And um, bad enough, I have a hip issue. My knees yeah. have to be below me for that reason, but also just for like cornering and rideability. I can't, you cannot maneuver. I can't possibly maneuver that way. There's just no way I could take a corner that hard. I would sure as hell try, but it's just not, it wasn't fun. It was weird. However, I will say this. I understand. I understand the the whole hog thing, and I get why people like it. I, I can see the appeal, and I see why people really enjoy the feel of it and kind of the whole mystique of it. But my theory is, after a thousand miles or so, you're over it. <laughs> and then you, and then I I don't know what you do at that point. But like, there's no way I could do. 1100 miles in three days on that bike. I don't know how she rode across country that woman she went from Reno to Minneapolis on that thing and I did 1200 miles in three days. I don't know, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that... now now the chieftain seat though stock is very flat and not dipped not, in any mm -hmm. angle whatsoever So imagine I, I don't no imagine it what being bike it is, back. I couldn't do that either yeah, It's just ergonomically a nightmare. I don't know and yeah. she she even has sciatica and back issues I'm like well, there you go <laughs> That's not helping. Um, I mean, and since I've converted to a more upright, I don't have any back issues anymore riding. Even on my crappy stock seat, I can go 800 miles in a few days, which I never could do before. Like, I will always be in pain. And now, there's it's so much better being, you know, 30 degrees up awesome and now i only have issues really with my hip but that's just a normal aching i have always dealt with even my butt's not as sore as it used to be on the stock seat i'm really happy to nice. have yeah this better riding posture is really really more comfortable i feel like i can go a lot further than i used to but um i still want to change that seat but uh given the right road definitely yeah <laughs> no for sure so that virginia trip the that's right um just, I feel like the slightest change in your ergonomic can completely enhance or kill your riding. And if you just make one little change that can totally impact your ability to ride and your comfort level. So if, you know, if there's something wonky on your bike and you're like, oh, you know, my back always hurts or my knees always ache or something, I bet there's something you could tweak on it to make your ride better because no bike is going to come perfect you know, ready to, for the most part, I feel like there aren't very many bikes that are exactly perfect for everybody. You know, sometimes you got to tweak little things to make it more comfortable and there you go. But good job, Harley. So, okay. Now tell us about this trip. Damn it. So, um, I am, I always seem to pick locations that have some sort of natural disaster occur right well, before I disasters everywhere. I mean, South America was like that with that devastating earthquake in, in uh, uh, Peru. Mm -hmm. And likewise, India, Nepal, and Bhutan is going to be roughly the same because they're having epic flooding in northern India and Nepal. 
and there's also some minor outbreak of cholera going on so i might mm. need to go out and get another shot so i'm traveling with a uh, individual who owns a touring company in india and we're going to be traveling on enfields nice. through northern india and the southern section of nepal through sikkim and into Bhutan for a couple of days. Hopefully on my return, I will have sorted out some bike loan details. Apart from that, I think the majority of the trip is pretty much speaks for itself. And I'm really stoked to be able to get out and do something international on a motorcycle because it has been seven years. And how long are you going to do that? How many days is that? It's trip? 18 to 20 days wow. on the three uh, three country trip. And then after that, I was hoping to do some travel within India, but I really need to stay flexible because we don't really have, I mean, this is all route scouting, mm. so neither of us have ever done this before. And we kind of have a tentative itinerary, and I think the most difficult part about, I mean, I love tentative itineraries and go with the flow, but man, when you have like a month set aside, and that sounds like a crazy amount of time, but when you start planning these kind of fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants trips and you have any constraint whatsoever, then like 30 days is never enough. And my company would probably fire me if I stayed any longer than that. So mm. I'm, I'm pretty much like topping out at 30. I have quite a few contacts within India of people who want to meet and hang out, women. So I'm really excited about that. And I kind of wanted to do a solo trip and uh, might not have time for the solo trip, might not mm. uh, get a chance to do that, which, you know, that can always be done. But in my opinion, it's the hanging out with local motorcyclists and other females who ride that's really more important than, you know, Christie's solo road trip. Because in reality, even though I'm traveling with someone for those 18 to 20 days, we're not going to be mic'd up in the helmet. So it'll mm. really just be me and another rider, you know, going through terrain. So I'm excited. Have you, with Thanks. any of the Bikurni, any of those women in India? Say what? There's a group. Oh, yeah, yeah. The Bikurni. Absolutely. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah, I didn't know how, honestly, I don't even know how to pronounce it, so it'll, it'll be interesting. But yes, Urbashi, I've been in touch with her, cool. and I've also been in touch with nice. a, a couple that live in Mumbai. Actually, Urbashi's not too far from Mumbai, but they live in Mumbai and they film all their rides. I've been in touch with those guys, so I'm hoping to spend some time with the local riders. And so, yeah, that's basically my trip in a nutshell. And you said Dainese is going to sponsor you a little bit? Yeah, Dainese has hooked me up with some adventure textile, so I'm excited about that. Is it anything uh, current right now that people can buy, too? It's... You know I think basically Zima and the pants that they're hooking me up with are discontinued. The new line doesn't launch until November. And sadly, right now is when everyone is on vacation. They take the entire month of August off. Right. So even if there was a possibility that, A, they even had a textile, adventure textile line for women in the fall, there's there's no one there to give me or, or help me out with um, getting that gear. So... Yeah, they got a lot of pants, though. They have a few different options for that. They're not really adventure-specific, but they will work. Yeah, and basically sure. the pants that, that I have, and I don't have the name of them in front of me just yet, but expect full ride reports and gear reviews and all kinds of stuff coming out of me once I get back. The pants are the same as the Drake Airs, more or less. The same construction, except they're waterproof. The system evos. And their, their knee protection is different because in the Drake Airs, there's knee and shin. Well, and in a, these pants, there's only knee. I think that's the system evos. System yeah. evo de-dries and the waterproof liner is removable. It's a nice pant. doesn't fit as well as the Drake. It's different, yeah. but 
It's good pants. It should work. The knee part was a little interesting, but yes. So I, yeah. I'll be still nonetheless with big boots fully protected. I am also painting my helmet. My shoe berth got a makeover. Oh, nice. You're painting it yourself? And, yep. I did go off on my own and uh, quite a few people were like, wow, you've got some nerve painting it yourself. That's that's an expensive helmet. Yeah. But the reality of it is, is the guy that dropped it off of the GSA last year put a whole bunch of chips in it. Mm. And I kind of wanted, I mean, I own two black helmets. I kind of wanted something that when people saw it go, oh yeah, that's Christy or you know, at least yeah, why not? something different as yeah. opposed to just a solid color. Yeah, and why not? Something I didn't, different. didn't really need to be in the market for a totally new helmet mm -hmm. and knew that my Schubert needed a makeover. So cool. I basically flat white painted it, decorated it by hand, very slow. And tonight I'm going to put on the first layer of gloss and I'll probably do like a couple nights, like one coat, one coat, one coat of gloss. Mm. But I'm looking forward to that. Hopefully I will be able to get some video. Definitely writing a few articles. Got a couple of publications uh, that are interested in nice. seeing what I bring back with me. So, yeah, I'm excited. Ah, so we'll be on hiatus for a month. Yes. <laughs> Unless I can find somebody. I have somebody. one interview lined up. And I will, uh, I will, not sure if I can like set up the release myself. I might have to just forward you the RSS. But I honestly tried to get a couple more interviews. And fine. between uh, kind of hitting a wall in terms of interest, coupled with people being busy because it's summer and the majority of people that I asked were industry who are very busy during the summertime because it's of fine. the weather everywhere. Maybe if you have internet access. I don't know. You can always do a short little, like, check-in. I don't know. We'll figure something out. Yeah, I don't think that's and... going to happen. Like, honestly, I'll be mm. lucky if I can actually get electricity. No. Oh, all right. Well, that's <laughs> In some different... of the places that's... we're going. <laughs> all right. Well, that's an adventure. All righty, Yeah, then. I literally have battery packs to charge uh, oh, laptops and, and whatnot. You should so get I'm... that solar one. I thought about it, but Those you know what? don't need to spend ones. any more money than I already have on this trip. <laughs> There's a good chance I'm never going to ever be in a situation unless I go through, like, rural Africa where I'm going to need a solar panel to charge my okay. gear. Or charge my um, yeah. electronics, rather. So, woohoo! Right. Well, Please, then, uh, maybe... I expect everyone to send me these, oh my gosh, you're, you're going to a place that's so dangerous. <laughs> because I've already gotten that from my coworkers a half dozen times. It's India. Which... It's not North Korea. I don't know. I no, mean... I, I know. I know. I expected, but part of the reason why I was withholding and and just teasing is, well, because it's fun, but mostly because I'm someone who is a little on the superstitious side. So if I were to rush sure. out and say, yeah, I'm going here, and then suddenly the visa doesn't come and sure. 10 things fall through, well, then, you know, I'm looking like an idiot. So I tend to like to wait a little bit until things are a little more secure. And, and even so, the plan is no plan, and I'm still kind of, Gonna be surprised how things fall together in the end. <laughs> Bhutan well, has no guarantee either. That's that's a country hmm. that's difficult on the visa end, as is Tibet and Burma, because I was targeting Tibet and Burma as options to continue on by myself and to hmm. tour through. However, hmm. um, since China took over Tibet, it's very difficult, and you need a, let's say, sidekick big brother, hmm. someone, tour guide, someone with you at all times in hmm. Tibet. You can't travel by yourself. And Burma, you can't even travel in the country with a foreign plate. 
So hmm. with all of the red tape and the crazy, I just, you know, let's take the adventure spirit right out of me by trying to regulate my trip and make it a lot less organic with your interactions with people and kind of, you know, where you end up. It just really kind of took the wind out of my sails, if you will. So that's well, why I'm I decided sure to at least go back. Riding in India will be awesome anyway. So yeah, either way, yeah. I'm sure you'll have a fabulous time. And we look forward to hearing all about it when you come back. So a month. Yes, so that's October. And I'm going to be missing you, sadly. I assume I'll hear from you at some point then. <laughs> will you be able to post yeah, anything at all, like on your Instagram will, or anything? I will be targeting Instagram. And I think I'm going to set my Instagram up so that it automatically posts to, to our Twitter motorific. and to Facebook. Yes. So that I don't need yep. to worry about logging into two or three different locations. Yep. Because yep. I'm not sure about Wi-Fi. And yep. I will be purchasing some data plan through AT&T International, and it's very limited. So nice. um, I'm really trying to keep that for just uh, emergency uh, purposes. I talked okay. to, didn't talk to Spot Tracker, but figured out that Spot Tracker actually doesn't cover northern India at hmm. all. In addition to Africa, they're kind of spotty there too. Hmm. But uh, Spot Tracker didn't cover it. Delorme, who makes the inReach does have service like globally hmm. and sadly countries like india and china and north korea restrict at customs level satellite devices hmm. so the likelihood of me not being able to play poker face and getting the unit confiscated when i go into customs is pretty high so like your phone no, um, just like a the spot. Delorme, the Delorme inReach, the tracker. Trackers, it, okay. It's not just GPS to, to find oh. you from point A to point B. It's a satellite communication system. So Alrighty. certain countries are pretty uh, restrictive on those kinds oh. of things. And mm. sadly, I'm going to one. So no one will be All able right. to find me unless I use an iPhone app. And I'm currently looking into what apps have tracker programs and what the details are there you go. because of course everyone sees an iphone they're not gonna look at it and go yep. oh it's an in reach yeah no so, it has gps capability you might as well try yeah. to use that that's all. there cool. are quite a few people who are expressing some concern over my choices and travel locations and would really like for me yep. to have my phone on even if it's in a yep in a um airplane mode to kind of ping a signal so yeah, yeah. I'm gonna... definitely all righty well we definitely look forward to that so so that means we will try to squeeze in one more maybe next sunday let's see what yeah. is coming up it's labor day weekend Labor Day weekend. so we will be around uh, i mean i will be around i'm not going anywhere until the sixth then we're gonna ride do a riding riding weekend north but i will be around next weekend so we'll try to shoot for maybe sunday um cool. if you, depending on your schedule um but yeah no no i'll be around so we'll try to get in a 52 for you before somebody leaves. And then, sorry, 53, I'm so behind. <laughs> so 53 before somebody leaves. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. We'll maybe do some, I'll have to figure out something in between and we'll figure it out. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I have one interview and that interview okay. is with my Ukrainian ADV goddess. Sure. So we will have at least one, uh, one adventure interview for one of those weeks that I've gone and then We'll just have to see. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll wing it. We'll see. Well, thanks for joining us for 52. I finally had it right. 
Thanks for joining us for 52. And uh, as always, you can find us at motorific.com and on Facebook at facebook.com slash motorific podcast. Um, hopefully you can follow Christy on Twitter while she's traveling at ADV Goddess. And you can always find me at Gearcheck. We thank you for listening and we will talk to you again soon. Bye-bye.